Let's just sing it anyway. Turn to somebody, hold somebody's hands with one just hand, point to the second one, and give the person that instruction. There's no other way. There is no other way. Say to the person to trust. There is no other way. If you want joy in Christ, Father, we give you thanks. A beautiful day you have brought us to. Thank you because your spirit is present here. Your people have come to meet you and you alone. Your word is what we have come to worship. The Lord said to them, He said, You didn't hear any, you didn't see any form, you did not see any image. He said, But you heard a word. You heard a word. He was saying to them, Don't worship images, focus your life on the word of God. Father God, that's why we have gathered here today. And we receive that presence in the name of Jesus Christ. We receive that presence in the name of Jesus. We receive the blessing in the name of Jesus. We receive the anointing that comes with it in the name of Jesus. We receive the grace and empowerment to be victorious in life that comes with the presence in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say after me, say, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. Say it again, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Say it again. I am being filled with the knowledge of His will. I am being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a consequence of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. If you believe that, give me a very loud amen. amen. If you believe it, give me a very loud amen. amen. Please turn to somebody on your left and your right and bless the person. Say it is well with you. It's good. <laughs> say tell the person it's good you came. You are very wise. You will be blessed. The Lord will speak to you. You will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You will get direction. You will get understanding. The spirit of knowledge will be imparted into you. Bless that person. Tell the person the spirit of knowledge will be imparted into you. You will have understanding. Say the Holy Spirit will speak to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's put our hands together for the Lord as we take our seats. Amen. Alright, like I said, for those of who heard me speak about it on radio, this is Kingdom World Ministries. It's just about teaching. So we try and limit uh, the preliminaries to the barest minimum. And then we immediately get into the teaching of the Word of God. And I want us to just quickly get into that this um, evening. Let me welcome everybody. You are welcome to this session. And like I was declaring earlier, the Holy Spirit is present. And you will be blessed in the name of Jesus. I say you will be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, what we are going to do. First of all, let me, like I was doing earlier, I welcome everybody. Especially um, the men of God. You've seen one of them, Pastor Murphy, who ministered earlier. And Pastor Cosmas, just want to give you a special recognition. Pastor Cosmas, you are welcome. He will be ministering on Saturday at our um, ministers' uh, forum, which will be at our office. I will take the announcements when we are closing, all right? Let's just quickly get into the Word of God. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. How to know the will of God? That's what we are discussing. And I'm sure that is what you want to learn. And I was, as I was meditating and praying, what, where, how do we go about this? Where do we start from? A scripture came to my mind, and I believe that is what the Lord wants us to start with. Initially, you wonder, what has this got to do with the will of God? But as I go on, as I explain, you will see exactly what it has to do with the will of God. The main issue sometimes is that people don't even understand what God is focusing on. They are focusing on something that is different. Sometimes when we talk about the will of God for Christians, and when you mention that expression, Christians are trying to follow, or people, let me not say Christians alone, because many people want to know the will of God, they have not given their lives to Christ. And that is the most foolish thing anybody can do. You want to know the will of God for your life, and you have not given your life to Christ. I've seen that many times. A man wants to take a job, he says he needs to pray so that God will tell him which one to take. 
this boy, <laughs> you, are, you are the sinner. You are, like Paul would say, you are the, of all sinners the worst. But you want God to be speaking to you about which job you should take. That is not what is primary concerning the will of God. I remember when I was a young boy, I, I, you know, I went, my mother and I went to see a preacher. And uh, my mother wanted him to pray for me. And he was a real preacher, not a joker, all right? There are people who pray, and they are prayer contractors. This man is a real pre- um, preacher. So he was just sharing the word of God. And he told a story of how a woman came to him with the pictures of three young women and her son. And she wanted him to pray so that the boy would know which one of them to marry. And he said to her simply, I don't pray such nonsense prayers. And I was a young boy, I was wondering, why didn't he agree to pray? Are you not a man of God? You should be praying. But I was very young, I didn't know. The man said, I don't pray that kind of nonsense prayer. He told the woman, he said, listen, your son is sleeping with these three girls. The woman said, ah, he said, he's here now, ask him. <laughs> he said, I don't pray that kind of rubbish prayer. I should check which one of these three people is fornicating with, you should marry. Let me tell you, okay, listen, I said it on radio, those who listen to me on, on Sunday. God, this one, I heard a voice. Be very careful. That's what I want to talk about today. Be very careful. Because sometimes, if you don't know God well, it will be as if he's the one that's leading you into trouble. And he does it. Because to the, to the, to the crafty, he appears as if he's crafty. I hope you're getting what I'm going to explain here. If you decide you want to be a sinner, God will tell you, marry that one. And that one will be Jezebel. That's the one that's going to kill you. Then when you are going to die, you say, but God said I should marry you. God said, yes, I wanted her to kill you. She has done the reason why I said you should marry her. Sometimes people are pursuing what they think is the will of God. It's not really what God is talking about. And that's what I want to establish in this course of teachings. Let's focus on Christ Jesus again. God is not a method by which we get results. Did you hear what I said? God is not a method by which we improve our lives. God is not a method. Church is not, a, is not a place, it's not a school we go and learn how to be crafty about the matters of life. Because of the gospel of prosperity that's in the body of Christ, which is a very good gospel, there's nothing wrong with it. But many people came to church and they came to learn how to become rich. That is not the purpose. God is to be served, he is to be worshipped. That is what I am preaching. We are supposed to serve God and worship him. He said to Abraham, walk, bef- walk with me. Walk before me and be perfect. Then I will bless you. A blessing is a consequence of a work. I hope you get what I'm going to say here. We don't use that, you know, we're not using methods to get a blessing. We are satisfied first of all. You know, Abraham, God said to him, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Isaac is not your reward. Material prosperity is not your reward. The gold and silver that I'll give to you, that's not your reward. He said, I am your reward. I am your reward. I want believers to realize it again. God himself is what we are going for. It's not what he gives. Do you get what I'm going to explain here? It is not what he gives. It's himself. I want us to understand that our father is a real person. He has feelings. We can hurt his feelings. We can make him feel bad. Many of the things we do as Christians is such that God will feel bad with us. The one I see all the time is that some people will never, and preachers preach it, that the only reason God gives to you is because you give to him first. And I keep on emphasizing, it is a fat lie. It is a fat lie. If God gives to you, it's because he loved you first. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? He gave Jesus Christ to you when you were still a sinner. And your gifts were not even acceptable. That was when he started giving. But people use God as if it's a method. We use him to try and get something. And my message is to show to people, no, that is not the true God. God is not something we use. It's a person that we love. It's a person that we serve. That is what he is. And when we're talking about him, he has a will for our lives. And that will is not, if of these two jobs, which one will prosper me more? No, it is God, I am yours. I am yours to serve. I am yours to worship. Where will I best serve you? Where do you want me to serve you? There are men God took out of rich places and said, go to the other place. And that place was poor. After all, we saw that in the scriptures. We saw um, our, our man, Moses. He left the palace and went into the wilderness. Why? That was where he could serve God. That's just the way it is. 
One of the men I love so, most, so, so, so much in modern times, of course, not modern times as in now, but not biblical times now, all right? His name is John G. Lake. John G. Lake in his days was a millionaire. And you're talking about 1900, 1920. Quite some time ago, over 100 years ago. Yet one day God called him, I want to be an apostle. Where? He said in Africa. And a man came to Africa. And he manifested the power of God. That is what we call the will of God. That is, he owns me. There is something he created me to be. How do I discover it? I hope you are following what I'm going to say here. That is what it is. Let's get that thing clear again. It is terrible, all right? And God is helping us. In modern day Christianity, God is helping us. That we, sometimes when I watch TV, I hear messages. I say, no, this is not God you are talking about. It is not as if, you know, we just do things for him because we want to get out of him. No, if you are not willing to do something for God and let him not give you anything back, you are not ready to be blessed yet. If you are still recording what you did to him, for him so he can do back for you, you are not ready to be blessed yet. That's the point we are making. Until you are ready to be totally committed to God that you are want to serve. Like um, um, Esther said, if I perish in the process, let me perish. I like Job. Job said, even though he slays me. Let's forget the word slay. It's old English. Let's talk about now. Even though he kills me. <laughs> even though he punishes me. Yet I will serve him. Yet I will love him. Those are the kind of people that God blesses. You know, there's a way God's blessings are, alright? By the time he pours them upon you, that's material blessings. He first gets you to a place where you don't care anymore. Did you hear what I said? That this God will give you a Mercedes Benz when you don't mind riding a bicycle. If your life is still dependent on that Mercedes Benz, he won't give you. He gives it to you when you wouldn't mind driving a, a, a motorbike, a canopy. When it gets to a point where in your life, whether you're big or small, it doesn't make any difference. Then he can make you big so that he can use you in that size. That is the way he is. Please, I hope you're getting my point this evening. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Listen, we are in for a good time. We are in for a good time. By the time we are done, you will love God so much, you'll be kissing him on the road. <laughs> I remember once in Lagos, I still remember that date. It was the 18th of May, 1997. I went to a church. Many of you will see the pastor on TV now, Pastor Kojo Yemade. Why I remember that day was because I was wearing white. There's some reason, one thing I like about that day, I was wearing white, you know, white native. Linen. You know the way it is with linen? You starch it, you iron it, and it is straight. And I did not have a car. And it rained. And I went to church on a Sunday. So you know the way it is when you're walking? You're walking like this so that you won't step into mud. If a car is coming, you wait, let it pass. Why? You're wearing white. And then I entered church, and the man started preaching. By the time he was done with preaching, I came out and I was walking like this. <laughs> that is if it's mud, splash. <laughs> Are you getting my point? I suddenly realized that this is not my life. What I am outside is not my life. I, at the end of that service that day, he preached for over two hours. I suddenly realized that, listen, I am more than what I look like. That God is more interested in something that he placed inside me, that that is manifested. When I see people running up and down and say, money is easier to make in Europe, in America, in Nigeria, I say, you don't understand life. You don't make decisions about your life because of money. Because there is a seed, a substance that God placed inside you. God wants that thing to manifest. That's why he calls the will of God. Did you hear what I said? There is a substance, there is a seed God placed inside you. He wants it to manifest. And it's that manifestation that is the will of God for your life. There's a man, I, you know, of course, we all know him, Ben Carson. He's running for American presidency, one of the top runners in the Republican Party. Once I read his story, there was a time, they were paying him a small salary where he was working as a neurosurgeon. His friends, some people came and said, come and join a new practice. Guaranteed, just your income will triple. And he almost walked out from where he was to where, he, for where those guys said he should come to. But let me not bust with the story so I can get to our teaching. Along the line, Many things happened, and he restrained himself. Like his boss said, no, I won't let you go. Let's see how we can make you stay. But he reasoned about it and stayed. Now, why am I telling this story? Because he stayed, even though he was going to end triple if he left, that is the reason why you know him today. Many people have refused to stay. 
and they have disappeared. If anybody wants to move, maybe living in Enugu is going somewhere, going to living in Lagos, going somewhere, living in Abuja, going somewhere, ask the person, make sure you don't walk into obscurity. Many people have, because of material things, they have walked into obscurity. The seed that God planted in their lives, it didn't germinate. It did not bear fruit. Yeah, they can prosper materially, but they have not succeeded in doing the purpose of God for their lives. I hope you've gotten my point. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Remember I said we are in for a good time. If you believe, you say amen. amen. Tap your neighbor, you are in. <laughs> for a good time. <laughs> Alright, let's begin the message. Alright, the first one I feel like um, the Holy Spirit wants us to start with today is from the book of John. And if you have your Bibles, get it ready. All of us are going to read together. From the book of John chapter 9. Mr. Projector, you can put that one up. For those who didn't come with their Bible, but because you have to raise your head, I'm sure you'll prefer your Bible. Please, just by the way, just a quick announcement. If your Bible is on your phone, it's a good thing. I have no problem with it. Amen? But that phone will be a distraction if it is not on flight mode. So please, check your phone quickly. Make sure, I don't want it on silent, I mean on flight mode. It can receive a text, it can receive WhatsApp, WeChat, Facebook, to go. Nothing, no, no, no BBM. Not now, okay? Apart from, uh, where's the Lionka? It's one that normally will be tweeting what is going on, in which case, go and be tweeting it at the back. <laughs> All right, the Lord is good. Some preachers said, don't use Bible on phone. I'm not like that. You know why I can't tell you that? Shall I tell you why? That's the only way I read my own Bible. <laughs> you know, this is the year 2015. Let's not pretend. I use uh, smart devices. So, and it's very, very helpful for me. So, but the only thing, you have to be disciplined. Don't let it interrupt. Make sure the signals are off if you're in a meeting like this. And just in case you don't know, when I'm preaching, if anyone that deliberately stays on, it's a risk you. It's a spiritual virus that goes around to those who disobey. <laughs> All right, the Lord is good. He said, what if I have a very important phone call? Just go to the very, very backest of the back and stay near the door. Then you'll be exempted from that virus. All right, the book of John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles on whatever device, and if it's on the good old paper, fine. Let's read it together. I will tell you where to start from when I'm ready. I want all of us to read it. Let's read it like we want to announce it to the whole world. We are reading about um, 11 verses from verse 1. Want to let us go. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Read it like you want everybody on your line to hear you. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's start. Want to go. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he will be born blind? Verse 3. Jesus answered, it was neither this man that sinned, nor his parents. But it was so that the works of God may be displayed in him. Verse 4. Must walk the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can walk. Verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6. When he has said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back saying, Verse 8, Therefore the neighbors, those who were previously who saw him, were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Verse 9, Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he's like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes open? Verse 11, He answered, The man who is called Jesus, made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received my sight. The Lord is good. It's a story we all know. A few lines in there have caused confusion. But I have some truths to bring out from there today. My message today, let me just give a short title to it. Oh, it's a long title. Is everything around my life the will of God? 
Is it really inshallah? You know the way Muslims say it. My child died. Is that the will of God? I lost my money. Is that the will of God? My car had an accident and it was wrecked. Is that the will of God? I was very sick. I was in the hospital for six months. Is that the will of God? Oh, I made a lot of money. Let's not talk about negative things alone. I prospered. My wife had a set of twins. Is that the will of God? That's the first question I want to answer today. Is everything around my life the will of God? Now, because we don't have all the time, I will, you just have to take my word for some of the things I will tell you. Sometimes you may want a scriptural proof, but I won't have time to explain those things in details. But trust me, I will not lie to you. Anything I tell you is true, as far as the scriptures are clear to me. All right? Now, one of the first ones I want to bring out is that issue when they asked the Lord Jesus, who sinned that this one should be born blind? That was the first thing. Who sinned that this one should be born blind? Now, there is a way you read this. I have studied the scriptures for a very long time, and I have taken time many times to particularly understand what was written here. When he said, when Jesus Christ answered it, you read different translations. This is what you hear. It was not the man that sinned. It was not his parents. Because they wanted to know, was it his parents or him that sinned that he should be born blind? Which I find very, very interesting, unless you are a Hindu. Because if you were born blind, how did you sin? Are you getting my point? Did you sin in your mother's womb? Like one preacher said, did he give his mother a kick? And the mother said, God punish you. <laughs> Was that it? Or the Hindus will say, he existed before. So it's his reincarnation. Maybe he sinned in his former life. I don't know whether the Israelites at that time believed that gospel, that, that message. I don't know. But they asked the question, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? For me, the understanding I have of the scriptures, the only one they can easily ask is, was it his parents? Who sinned, really? But the interesting part was that Jesus did not say anybody sinned. But he didn't say nobody sinned. He just said it was not him, and it was not his parents. The answer is what people now get confused by. If you read most English, English translations, it will tell you, he was made blind so that God's glory can manifest in him. And again, I like what David Paulson said. If you want to explain the things of God, it has to be rational. That doesn't make sense that God, you know, you make a man poor so you can give him money. You make a man sick so you can heal him. You put a man in trouble so you can deliver him. Listen to me, that is not in accordance with the, with the God that I understand. It's not in accordance with his character. He doesn't do things just for show. He never does it. God doesn't do things just for show. No. Sometimes, you see, the scriptures, the Bible is not very big. Like I say all the time, I have medical textbooks that are several times the size of the Bible, and I handle only a very small, narrow set of diseases. And there are many times the size of the Bible. So the Bible, you have to be careful when you are reading in between the lines to see what it's trying to tell you. You have to pray that God will help you connect many things. And you must understand the general principles of the righteousness of God to interpret the things that you see in the scriptures. Sometimes some things are not so clear. Later on, you will now find out why it happened. One of my best examples is that the, the, the uh, 12 spies decided to go and spy the promised land, and God said they should go, all right? And you wonder, why did God say they should go? Later on, when Moses was explaining it in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, right, when he was giving the history of the things that happened, he said, it was because you said, let us go. And God said what? Go. It was never God's idea. It was their idea. Sometimes you see God tell somebody like Balaam, don't go. When Balaam comes, and Balaam comes, and Balaam said, God said, I shouldn't go. And that's the messengers of Balaam. The next day, the messengers of Balaam come with double money. Then God says, go. Then on the way, God stops to kill him. He sends his angel to go and kill the man that he says should go. You now start wondering, does God smoke? And of course he does not smoke. His wisdom is always with him. So when you see things like that, you start asking exactly what is going on. I'm going to bring out something here. We have to be careful when we are interpreting the scriptures. And I want, the reason why I'm saying all of this is that I want us to see the interpretation that God gave this one. Now, that John chapter 9, that's where I am. I want to read for you from the Young's Literal Translation. Because sometimes what you have in your hand is a translation of the Bible. And the person translating sometimes, he wants to make it clear for you to see. Especially when you use some of the easy-to-read versions. But a man 
wrote it simply the way it was. All right? It can be confusing, but just wants it to be clear. Just let's just leave it the way it was. All right? And this is what he said. The problem, actually, let me quickly say before I read, it, read this, is where we put our punctuation marks. Who sinned that this one should be born blind? Jesus said, neither. And that was all he said. He did not answer why the young man was blind. Why the man was blind. He didn't answer it at all. Let me read it from the Young Christian translation, that particular verse. You see, in verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither did this one sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God may be manifested in him. It behoves me to be walking the works of him who sent me while it is day. Did you hear what I read? Jesus said, Why was he blind? Was he his parents? He said, No. Was he him? No. He said, But the works of God must be manifested in him. If it is going to be manifested, then I must walk that walk while it is there. Jesus did not answer why that man was blind. What he said is that I am concerned about the work of God being done in him. Many times God is not interested in where the problem began from. He just solves it immediately. A man was totally paralyzed. His friends brought him and let him down to the roof. And Jesus said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't ask any questions. He just started solving the man's problems. Many times that's what he does. He walked up to a man who had been, you know, been beside them at the pool of Bethesda for many years and said, Do you want to get well? That was then a long story of why he was still there. He said, listen, listen, listen. I asked a simple question. Do you want to get well? He said, I don't have anybody. Nobody's helping anybody in this society again. Oh, do you want to get well? <laughs> if the answer is yes, then get up. Take up your bed and walk. He was not interested in the history. And that was what happened to this particular situation. He said to him simply, to the disciples simply, the work of God must be manifested in him. If that is going to happen, it will be because I am doing the works of him that sent me while it is day. That was what the Lord Jesus said. The problem was a matter of punctuation marks. That's why I let it for literally. Young's literal translation says it simply. He said that the works of God may be manifested in him. It behoves me to be working the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now you say, why are you reading this? You're talking about the will of God. Remember I said, I'm starting today by asking a simple question. The things around my life, are they the will of God? Is it that anything that happens, it's God's will? I want you to notice something here. What was the will of God here? I'll give you the answer simply. It was that Jesus should do the work of him that sent him. The will of God was that Jesus should do the work of him that sent him. What does that tell you, therefore? That man's blindness was not the will of God. Why was the man blind still? There is something I always like to explain to Christians. Many Christians don't understand it. The meaning of the word will, that is the will of God, what does that expression mean? It is not, now, if I say this, for those who haven't heard it before, they'll be surprised the first time I say it. But when I explain it, you see it is really clear. God does not always do his own will. I like the quietness. And that quietness is saying, oh boy, you are pushing this thing too far. Explain before I change my mind. <laughs> Please, I need to explain this clearly. This is where a lot of people have confusion when it comes to the word of God. God is judge. If you believe that, say amen. If you go and read Psalm 75, one of my favorite Psalms, he said, God is judge. Okay, that's why my name is Daniel. I wasn't born and given the name Daniel. I grew up and took the name Daniel myself when I read that scripture. If you want to know more about it, go to our website and download the tract, Daniel. Or if you have it here, you can pick a copy at the end of the day. It's free. Now, what does it mean when we say God is judge? What is a judge? It's simple. A judge is somebody that hears argument, hears a case, and gives a ruling. 
That's what the judges. They catch this man. He, he stole something. Who was there? I was there. It was my thing he stole. Yes, I was watching as he was snatching it from him. All right, two years imprisonment. And they dragged that man away to jail. Let me ask you a question. If the man who stole is the son of the judge, would they still take that man to jail? Answer it clearly. Yes. Assuming he's a cousin of the judge, would he still go to prison? Yes. Now let us assume that the cousin, the judge noticed that this is my cousin. Ah, no, 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 no. No, this case is not clear. Dismissed, acquitted, and discharged. What will you say about that judge? It's unjust. Now, what did that judge do? His will? Two of us? He did his will. But what does, that, what does that tell you? He was not just. Because if a judge does not rule according to the facts of the matter, he's an unjust judge, no matter what his will in the matter is. That's how God is. God's will is what he wants. He wants every man to be saved. People say a just God will never, a good God will never send anybody to hellfire. And I say it is true. A good God will never send anybody to hellfire. But a just God will. A just God will. What a good God will do is to warn you that this is the road to hellfire. What a good God will do is to say this is deliverance from hellfire. Give your life to Christ. What he will do is to make a provision that I've given you a sacrifice to pay for your sins. Believe in him. You don't have to go to hell. If you still say no, he will fry you in hellfire. Even though he doesn't like the idea. For those who believe that God doesn't cause trouble, let me tell something to you. Who destroyed the whole earth and spared only Noah and his family? God. Was that what he loved to do? No. He said that this whole earth has become polluted. As a just judge, he had to punish sin. I hope you're getting my point. Is everything around my life the will of God? That's what I'm going to answer. God is judge. And that means that nothing can happen on this earth unless he sanctions it. Because if something happens without his sanction, then he's no longer judge. He's no longer the most high. It means there's somebody higher than him who's deciding things. Let me say something to you as a Christian. One of your assignments in life is to bring the will of God into your life by force. Because what you experience in life is not the will of God. It is the judgment or the decree of God. It is when God sits as judge and he listens to arguments. He said, somebody will come as an example. And say, his grandfather was a wicked man. Another person will say, but then the sin of the grandfather cannot be taken on the grandson. And God said, it is true. I said, each man should bear his own sin. Another person will say, but, now listen, this person talking is Satan. Somebody say Satan. That is the job he does. He said, but he is going the way of his father and his grandfather. He said, how? Remember, at the age of 16 was when his grandfather started. He started by stealing in the neighborhood, raping the small girls. That boy too has started. Listen to me, I don't have time to explain the details. The sin that his grandfather committed at the age of 60, the boy would pay for it at the age of 18. You say, why? This is what they call ancestral curses. Why? It is simply because, listen to this, he said so that, that's what Jesus Christ said, though, that all the blood of the prophets that were shed in Jerusalem, from the blood of Abel to that of Zechariah, who perished between the porch of the, and the altar, will be brought upon this generation. He said, I will give them more prophets to kill. So prophets will come, and then they will kill. And when they did that, you know what happened? God punished them for the, for the sin of Abel. Why? They tapped into the sin that has been running around for a long time. Did God want Jerusalem destroyed? No. Jesus gave us the will of God concerning Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how I have wanted, I have desired to gather, gather you under my wings like a, like a hen gathers her chicks. He said, but you will not have it. He said, for that reason, your house is left to you desolate. God's will was that Jerusalem would not be destroyed. 
But God's judgment was that as long as you are killing prophets, Jerusalem has to be destroyed. Why? I'm a just God. I hope you're following my point. God does not always do that which is his will. Just by the way, I talk about ancestral curses. Just let me quickly drop that quickly. Before somebody runs away with it. And you'll be going for deliverance that you have been delivered from. If you have believed, those curses have been broken. Somebody say amen. amen. If you have repented, those curses have been broken. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, every ancestral curse has been broken. Somebody say amen. amen. Very important too. If you have believed and you have repented, you do not need any deliverance. Don't give anybody money to deliver you from what Jesus already paid to deliver you free of charge. If God, if, if God allows me time, I will explain again. You are having problems does not mean your grandfather sinned. There are only three reasons why Christians have problems. None of them is the sin of their grandfather. That's just the principle I try to explain. Number one reason Christians have problems is one, ignorance. Number two, sometimes in life they have trials of their faith. You say, I will not steal. And people won't let you have money. They say, change government uh, account and get some money. And God will be watching and he won't let you have money. He wants to see whether you are really serious about your faith. It's called the trial of your faith. And the third reason when sometimes Christians just start disobeying the precepts of God, they can have problems. None of them includes ancestral curses. If anybody has been delivering you from ancestral curses, you and him have been wasting time. I hope you get my point. Alright, let me just get back to my message. Alright? So what have, I, what have I tried to explain here? I've explained the fact that, listen, what we experience in our lives, alright, are the things that God decreed, yes. But that's because he's judge. And it has to be just. He has to weigh the things in life and say, alright, let this happen. There was a time a man was sinning against God. His name was Ahab. And God said, who will convince him to go to Ramos Gilead? Because I want him to perish there. It was never God's will that Ahab should perish. What was God's will? There was a time that God threatened Ahab with punishment. You know what Ahab did? He repented. And God said, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. And he forgave him. But he did not depart from his ways. So one day God said, who will take this man? Who will convince this man to go to Ramos Gilead? Let him go to battle. I want him to die there. And a lying prophet came and told him, God said, you should go. You will succeed. He was a lying prophet. He had a lying spirit. And God was watching. I know what God said to that spirit. He said, go. Prosper in what you are doing. He told the spirit I wanted to tell the lie. Those of you who have been led by prophets, don't be impressed. A prophet can only tell you the condition of your heart. That is, if you're a wicked man, he will tell you a lie. If you're a righteous man, he will tell you the truth. The fact that the prophet spoke does not mean what you are hearing is true. It only depends on whether you are true or you are false. Did you hear what I said? A prophet can only tell you what your spirit can hear. If you're a wicked man, there's only one word God has for you. A word for repentance. If it is not a word of repentance, any other thing you hear is a lie. Wicked people attract lying spirits. And lying spirits will look like pastors. I have seen a pastor preach before. Say, God will forgive you of your sin if you give an offering. You and the pastor are going to the same portion of hellfire. Do you get my point? It is clear. I heard the man say that even if it's blood money, once you give out of it... (laughs) You know when Christians believe that? They are the ones begging to be deceived. When you believe that kind of thing, somebody say you stole money. Say just give God a portion. God will forgive you. If you believe it, you are the one begging to be deceived. You are the one begging. Please let me stick with my message. So I was explaining. Yes, God is in control of this life. But does it mean that everything that he decrees is what he wills? He only decrees according to what is right. What I mean is this. He says, the soul that sinned, it shall die. That's a spiritual principle. That is a law that the judge uses to rule. So if somebody continues in sin, God has to decree that that man should die. I hope you are getting my point. It's very important you understand this. If somebody, like he says, honor your father and your mother, that he may be well with you. If somebody dishonors his father and his mother, in the time of darkness, the Bible says his lamp will go out. So you see a young man, a young woman, always dishonoring the father and the mother. 
a time comes, somebody, now listen to what I want to say. Somebody will come to God and say, this boy, this girl deserves to die. I demand you rule that he dies. And don't think that God doesn't like the... When the devil comes, God will say, I rebuke you. God doesn't do that when the devil is talking. He and the devil, I hope you know they talk. It's in your Bible. Job. God called him one day. He says, Satan, come. Where are you coming from? So I just walk up and down. <laughs> say, your many worker, have you considered my servant Job? They, they, they had the discussion. You know, if it's we, we won't talk to our enemies. God doesn't have any problem with that. Angels talk to him. They quarrel. One day they were arguing over the body of Moses. And Michael said, you started again. This troublemaker. The Lord rebuked him. <laughs> now, I'm saying something here. You know Satan's primary assignment in life? Accusation. He has a number of jobs. But in this context, it's accusation. Well, it does a few things. One, the first thing it does is to tempt. The next thing is to accuse. The third thing is to kill. So the only three jobs God allows him. Number one? Number one? Number two? Number three? He has the power of death. That's when, he, that's when he walks. One, he tempts. Once you can catch him on number one, the rest, don't worry about it. <laughs> if you can catch him on number one, the rest, don't worry about it. Now let's do this. I talked about the, the, the Satan because that is the job he does. He goes and accuses people before God based upon what they have done wrong. Based upon what Jerusalem did from the time of Abel. Based upon the prophets they are killing today. And he says, I demand that they be punished. And if the evidence is correct, God does not have a choice. He's a just God. He will say, go ahead, destroy Jerusalem. What God does ahead is that when he knows that Satan will come up with that accusation, he sends a Jesus Christ ahead and says to them, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, he starts warning them, I want to gather you like a hen. We gather her cheeks under her wings. No, I don't know of that. So that that judgment will not come. But when they don't listen, when they don't listen, the day comes in which God has no choice but to rule and say, destroy Jerusalem, even though he doesn't like it. And then Jerusalem is wiped out entirely. The Romans break down the walls entirely. Knock down the temple so that not one stone is standing on top of another. Did God like it? No. But he wanted them to repent and listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going somewhere. And be delivered from the accusation of Satan. Now let's talk about satanic accusation briefly. Actually, what I want to talk about in this one, my message today, like I said at the beginning, I want to magnify Christ. I've established the fact that it's not everything in your life that's the will of God. You can have plenty of money, it doesn't mean it's the will of God. You can be a thief. You know that? Yes. There are people who, who get rich and it's not the will of God. You can be broke. It does not mean the will of God. It can be because you're not working diligently. Or you trust so much in your diligence, you don't know how to invoke the blessing of God. Let me make this statement again. It is your duty. It is my duty. It's our duty as believers that we labor, spiritually speaking now, to bring the will of God into our lives. That's why Jesus said, pray like this, thy will be done. If the will of God was done automatically, he wouldn't ask us to pray about it. You hear what I said? If the will of God was done automatically, he wouldn't ask us to pray about it. We're looking at that story in that book of John chapter 9. The will of God was not done automatically there. It was done now. Remember I, says, I stopped somewhere talking about judgment of God and how we can be delivered from that judgment where people make mistakes. I'll come back to it in a moment. But there's something I want us to read. That man was born blind. I've already established that it was not God's will. God was not trying to manipulate the situation so they can get cheap glory. That's cheap glory. God doesn't need to do that. The man was born blind for many reasons that Jesus did not address. However, he addressed something. The way out of blindness. 
What is the way out of blindness? He said, I must do the works of him that sent me. What does that mean? The way we may be in destruction today, we may be in distress, we may have problems in life. We have established it's not the will of God. But what is the way out of our problems? Sometimes we are, we are generationally poor. Sometimes we are generationally sick. Sometimes we are generationally confused. It does not mean it's a generational curse. It's just a generational habit. So it, it now becomes a generational curse. What do I mean? If the whole family behaves one way, the result in every generation will be the same. The same Satan that's accusing them before God will keep on accusing them. Please, listen to what I'm going to say carefully. Sometimes we have problems. We are not going anywhere in life. Is it the will of God? We said no. It can be the judgment of God. We've established that. How do we come out from under that problem and come into the will of God? It is when the work of God is done by the Lord Jesus. Who does the work? Please, I want to hear it loud. Who does the work? Please, I want to say it again. I want to repeat after me. Say, the Lord Jesus is the one that does the work that brings me out of blindness. The Lord Jesus is the one that does the work that brings me out of judgment and brings me into the will of God. Say it again. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus. There's a reason why I'm saying all of this. Jesus said, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. It is not you, the blind man, that will get yourself out of blindness. It is me that will walk the work of God. <laughs> you say, Pastor Bank, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. People say, if you want to come out of poverty, you will give. It is not you that will do the work that will get you out of poverty. It is Jesus. People say, if you want to be delivered, you will pray all night. Again, I said to you, around nonsense. It is not you that will do the work that will get you out of poverty, out of bondage. It is Jesus Christ. I will say to you again, it is only Jesus that delivers. It's not our work. Let me say it one more time. Only Jesus saves. Nobody else. The prophet that goes to the village to pray around the tree cannot save you. Listen, you can't pray. I hate rubbish. A man of God said, give me half a million. I will pray for you. You will be delivered. And he just give it. <laughs> they give it. They give it. Listen, no human being is the one that will deliver you out of blindness, out of judgment. Only Jesus. And the way by which he does it, he says, if you will believe. There's one gospel I preach all the time. It's hurting me again now. They said, they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they have laid him. This is what I see a lot these days. Christians, and if you have come here, God sent you for deliverance. You have a choice of two. People have done it before. You can walk out of here. Say, that guy does not know what he's saying. You will come back one day to me and say, sir, I am sorry. That thing I said behind your back that day. Because I am not here to get anything out of you, but to tell you the truth of God. Listen. You have a choice of two. One, believe what I'm saying. Or go back, continue with your works, thinking that will deliver you out of your trouble. I have been mandated by God to help his people. They have worked and worked and worked and worked. They have not been delivered. They have given and given and given and given. They are broker than ever before. They have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. The same witch still comes at night, say, Let us start the prayer. It's like a fight every night. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Sit down. You rebuke me. Rebuke me. They rebuke me. Rebuke me. 5 a.m. You will win. And you think you have won. But the witch is getting his way. In quote. 
Because it comes every day at 1, 12 midnight, and makes you pray till 5 a.m. Whether it is prayer or not, if you don't sleep for six months, you will go mental. <laughs> which was when the witch was going in the first place? He come and say, let us rebuke again. He said, I rebuke you. They came, they pressed me, they prayed, and I began to pray. Oh God, help me, God of my father, God of this. From 1 a.m. till 5 a.m., every day for six months. At the end of six months, you will go mental. You start seeing spirits. And he said, every night I overcame them. No, they were playing with your intelligence. There's a scripture I like to give for that all the time. He said, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety. I tell people, any time you want to wake up at night to pray, it must never be about the devil. That is, that's an insult. If you must wake up at night to pray, wake up to give thanks. Wake up to ask God for wisdom. The next phase of my life, how do I move? There are Christians that go to church every day. It is not because they love God that much. They think it is the way out of what? Deliverance. The one that makes me laugh the most. It's very popular because it pays those of us that preach it. You will give until you become rich. I don't know which Bible you read it from. It's giving good. If you are not a giver, you are a sinner. Let's get that one clear. You must be like your father. Our father is so good, he gives to even his enemies. When his rain is falling, whether you are a churchgoer, an Islamic bomber, it will still fall in your house. That's how good God is. And it says, it says oh, we must be perfect. That's what he told us. You must be perfect, perfect as your heavenly father is what? Is perfect. Please turn to your neighbor and say, you must be a giver. Because your father is a giver. However, that's not the way out of poverty. No, no, no I'm the one preaching now. You're preaching the whole end. The way out of poverty is the same way out of sickness. It's the same way out of sin. It's called faith. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that he was poor. Yet, for your sake, he became rich. Eh, sorry. I've turned upside down. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that he was rich. Yet for your sake, he became poor. That you through his poverty might be made what? Rich. Jesus is the one that is healing your blindness. Nobody else. That is my message for you today. Jesus is the one healing your blindness. Is blindness the will of God? No. The problems in life are they the will of God? No. What is our duty? To bring God's will into our experience. And I'm saying, it is not by our works. It is Jesus that did the work that brought us out of blindness and gave us sight. I have a message for you today. Your own labors must come to an end. I have a message for you today. The one you have struggled by yourself has come to an end. Listen. I can't... Listen. It's good to pray. We prayed for this meeting. We had meetings. My wife and I prayed this morning. We prayed all the time. But I can't remember one day. I said, witches, you will not stop me. Witches, I tell you, you will not stop me. It's like I'm driving on the road. I say, cobweb, you won't stop my car. You see, see the cobweb, accelerate, cobweb. If you see a cobweb, what do you do? You keep driving like nothing's happening. That is the relationship between me and the devil. <laughs> yes, that's a matter of fact. Why? It's deliverance in Christ Jesus, not in me. One of the things I say to people, listen, we must get this very clear. This is my message for today. We have to put Christ back where God kept him for us. High above principalities and powers. Where we are seated with him on the right hand of God. We have to put him back there. You know what we did? We displaced him. Say, wait here. Let us fight. Watch us. Teach us how to fight. Just say, do like this. Do like this. Then you pray like this. No. Jesus, let me sit where I'm supposed to be seated. You come and sit with me. And you will be higher than all these so-called satanic forces that you are fighting every day. Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. He said, I was beholding and I saw Satan fall. That's why I was able to give you power. 
over serpents and scorpions every work of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. He did not give them assignment. When you get there, start, pray, start, start fighting the devil in their lives. He said, when you get there, say to them, peace be upon this house. If you find a blind man, then heal him. If you, then open his eyes. If you find a dumb man, open his mouth. If you find a deaf man, he didn't say go there and be fighting the devil. He said, when we go there, even when we mention your name, demons run away. He said, why? I beheld Satan fall. I'm saying to you again, Satan has fallen in your life. Amen. Let me say to you again, Satan has been destroyed in your life. It's not your own work. It's not your own energy that is going to destroy him. Listen. It is the work of Jesus that delivers us out of blindness. I need to emphasize this very much. Because what I see, listen, there are things that kill your faith. You know, I said something earlier. In fact, I remember I took a break there about accusation of the devil. Listen to this. Satan knows where he's strong. He knows where he's strong. You know, we had a dog. That dog was uh, called uh, Lucky. Was it Lucky? Yeah, it was Lucky. Very ferocious little thing. Now look at Doggo. But that dog, maybe it was not pure Luca because he had a lot of hair. We used to use scissors to cut the hair so that the eyes would be able to see clearly. There were some dogs in the neighborhood. I know dogs, they behave as if they are human beings. So when Lucky is in our compound, they know they can't come in. So if the gate is open, one of them will run and get near our gate and stop and run back. You know what they came to do? Came to tell Lucky, come. <laughs> so Lucky will get up, not knowing, and charge at that, at that dog for coming near his own territory. And as soon as he leaves our compound, wham, two of them will pounce on this dog. And they will beat this my very strong dog. Then the guy will come back home, limping and crying. I don't want to finish the story of Lucky for you because <laughs> the day Lucky took his vengeance, eh? that just, that just just small. One of the dogs left. I don't know whether he traveled, he go visit. <laughs> it now remained one. And Lucky found that one. My sisters had to beat Lucky to leave the dog alone. Because I came home one day. I saw a dog passing with the ear bent. He said, see that ear? Now Lucky do him. <laughs> That's when they now told me the story that they used to come and look for trouble. And then what Lucky does is that he will run out of the compound, follow them, and they will beat the life out of him. You see why I'm telling the story? Where are we seated? We are seated in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. In Christ. Somebody say in Christ. in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. in Christ. Hey, by the way, I'm preaching to Christians. If you have not given your life to Christ, as I'm preaching, just be giving your life to Christ on your seat. Yeah, you can do that. The house of Cornelius, they did it. On your seat, just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Wash me away of my sins. I repent, I repent, I repent. I receive forgiveness. Just be saying that. Because what I'm saying is for believers. If you're not a believer, the devil can wake up in the morning, cut a piece of your liver and do pepper soup. It's just the will of God. If you have not given your life to Christ, Satan will just come and say, this boy, this is kidney, looks good. <laughs> Chop small, take and do suya. He will eat it. That's not having kidney failure. You look up one sister and just say, ah, why is your eye shining like this? You remove one. If you are not a believer. Alright? But I'm talking to believers. If you're in Christ, Satan has no right to do that to you. Let me say it again. He has no right to do that to you. You don't have to even be praying. The pastor Satan, leave him alone. Don't even answer him. He can't. You know what he's doing? He's trying to lock you. You know what I call lucky? You come near your door, come out. That's my message, okay? Back to my message. We are in Christ, amen? You know when Satan wants to harm us, you know what he does? He comes with his demons. They will come near the door and tell us, come out. And when we don't know, in our foolishness, when we don't know, because of lack of proper training, maybe the pastor preaching to you does not know this also. He tells you, follow Satan out and go and fight there. You come out of the protection of your father. Not get the center of demons. They go beat. <laughs> beat you with sickness, affliction, poverty, all kinds of troubles. You're laughing now. When I tell you how you do it, you'll be surprised. You know the number one way we do it? 
Let me quickly explain something to you. Life has levels. What did I say? The highest level, the third heavens, the highest realm is the realm of Christ. That is the house of God where we are seated. There is a second level. I need to explain that briefly for those who don't understand it yet. There is a second level where the laws of the realm of the spirit, they work. I need to take a break to impress you a bit. <laughs> With how witches work. You know there are witches. How many people know there are witches? Yeah. Some people say, as long as doesn't believe in witches. I believe there are witches. I'm just saying that they are not my mate. Like there are cobwebs. They are not my, the mate of my car. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, every butterfly must believe in cobwebs. Every fly must believe in what? In cobwebs. Because if you are flying and you run into one, you're dead meat. So, if I say I don't believe in cobwebs, am I saying there are no cobwebs? No. I'm just saying any cobweb that stays there, we will sweep it. That's all we're saying. It's very important you get that clear. Because sometimes people hear me, they don't get me in context. They say, as long as there are no witches. When witches are killing people every day, Unbelievers have been terrorized by them every day. But they don't come near my house. And I don't worry about them. I like to tell my story. <laughs> the story is very interesting. I tell it all the time. If you have heard it before, your, your neighbor hasn't heard it, so let me tell it. Okay? Yes, now, you have to understand. You are not the only one I will preach to you. Okay? I know you have heard it before. All of you here, you have heard it before. They are looking and saying, Oh gosh, we'll help you tell it. <laughs> Once I was in my house, a bat appeared from nowhere. From nowhere, a bat. My wife just said, oh, see bat. I know, when we're not moved. He entered the wardrobe, I closed the door on it, and I went to, enter, uh, to attend to my guests. I think he's around, the bishop. It was bishop that was, and his wife came to my house that day. And when we finished, I said, we have a witch upstairs. <laughs> and I went there, opened the wardrobe, trapped the bat, and I gave it to my cousin, Shion. I said, go and throw it away. Did you pray about it? No. You didn't, you didn't call Holy Ghost fire upon ordinary animal? Holy Ghost fire is for my head, amen? It's not for the animals. Holy Ghost fire is supposed to fall on me. Please, I want to pray a prayer. Upon my head, Holy Ghost fire, say amen. amen. Now, for saying amen, I'm more anointed than before. You'll be more blessed now. Just watch it. <laughs> Why did I not pray about it? I told my wife that day. I said, you are very blessed too. She said, why? I said, you didn't marry some husbands that go to some churches. Otherwise, you and all these are your children. They're not going to sleep today. You will pray the whole night. Because a bat missed his way and entered your house. Yes. I'm just trying to say something. Why didn't I pray about it? Could it have been a witch? I really don't care. It's like saying that thing that went past. Is it a cobweb? What difference does it make? And I don't believe it was a witch because witches generally they can't cross my fence. I've made a decree. If you cross here, you die. So if he entered and did not die, it's not a witch. Are you getting my point? He said, why do you know it was not a witch? It entered and it did not die. That's all the proof I need. Please, I'm going somewhere. So I'm not trying to say there are no evil spirits. There exist. Let me tell you something. I want you to impress you. Remember I said that? About how witches operate. They don't have any power. The way people think they have. They only have the power of accusation. They are agents of Satan. They do not have power in themselves to harm anybody. The only thing they can do is to accuse so if they want to kill a man, that's why I tell men, if you see men, they want to enter trouble. Eh? Number one way an adult man enters trouble in life is through adultery. That's where the witches wait. That is where they wait. Because that gives them power in the fellow's life. There's a hedge a man has that is not even a believer that the witch cannot break by force unless the man does something that gives him the right. As I tell men, eh? <laughs> listen, run away from sexual immorality. You are turning yourself to a tool, you know, in the hands of evil spirits. They'll be tugging you anyhow. Some of the men, you see, that's why a small girl is controlling them. It's called adultery. It's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force. I don't have time to explain it in details. I read a book many years ago on witchcraft. Initiation into witchcraft is that the girls have to sleep with the chief priests. It's a spiritual thing. I don't want to go near them. I don't have the time. All right? The only thing they can do, listen to me, is to make accusations based on somebody's sins. And God is the only one that can decree judgment against a person. Listen to me. They operate only in the second spiritual level. 
The top spiritual level I'll talk about in the moment is called Christ. They don't go near there. They don't go near there. If a Christian can enter, that's why he said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the covering, the protection, the shadow of the Almighty. It's called secret place. It's called secret place. Which is, devils don't go near that secret place. They can't, they can't. But in this second level, let's quickly talk about it. They can make accusations. They can say to him, they can say to God, he did not give last week. He took somebody else's money. His father was this. They didn't do this one. A, 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 a poor man came to his window and he did not give him money. They can say all of those things there. And it's a valid accusation. He told his wife, 